0: I believe a lot of us are imagining life being different than it is right now. So, you know, you daydream about your job feeling different, school feeling different. You you picture what it would be like once barriers are removed, restrictions are lifted, and, and you're able to go places, see people, do things that you currently cannot do. Uh, maybe it's to, to pick up something that's been delayed. Maybe it's picking up something and restoring it that was lost. And whatever time of life we're living in, pandemic or not, all of us are picturing a preferred uh, future, something that we have not arrived at yet that we wish we did arrive at. So imagine something with me. Imagine a place where no one will ever harm you. Imagine being in in a space, an environment where no one's out to get you, where you're always feeling valued and safe and known. You know, Visualize what that would be like as, as you live out your day. No one's going to cheat you. No one's going to lie to you. No one's going to be false to you, scam you, try to trick you. You can feel the freedom of, of knowing that you can pursue your dreams you hold or, or carry the responsibilities that you have without anybody talking behind your back, gossiping about you trying to tear down your reputation, always feeling like you matter and are safe and secure. Imagine that. Now imagine that that place is your home or your job site, your sports team, your school, your church. See, as we continue our series in First Peter, what God is going to outline for us is some things that can And should happen as a result of his people experiencing new life as they make Jesus their Lord and their Savior. And what I believe God is going to call us to today is to look at our lives and take out what is harmful to others. Taking in what is helpful from God. And so the context of all this is, is interesting. We are, you know, we're going to look at chapter 1, verses 22, down to 2, verse 3. But all of what is spoken here comes with, with the baggage of what is before, the amazing reminder of what God has done in Jesus and who that has made us to be. We've been born again to a living hope. Peter's writing to Christians who have, whose basis for everything is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And in verse 15, calling them to be holy as their God is holy. Everything that flows into our time today comes with that context. And as I was reflecting on this passage this week, I asked myself four questions. And there are four questions that I want us to ask ourselves together. The first question is this, what am I building my life on? Not just like some sort of stereotypical question you'd expect from a, from a preacher or teacher, but what actually are you counting on to bring you to the place of meeting all of your greatest needs and desires in life? See, if uh, all of what what Peter's going to write for us, uh, any instruction about something we could do or something we could experience, it's all just going to be helpful suggestions or maybe some good advice at best if our lives aren't actually built on the finished work of Jesus who came to this earth lived a perfect life in our place, died on a cross sacrificially to make us right with God again and rose from the dead to breathe new life into us by the Holy Spirit to empower us to live until Jesus comes again and restores all things. You've been made by Jesus, you've been made for Jesus, and you now can be made in Jesus and experience a whole new life. And all of what we're told in the Bible makes a lot more sense when our starting point is we have built our lives on the work of God and the word of God. And this is the opportunity that each of us has right now. We're living in in a time where it's starting to reveal to us a lot of what we were counting on, a lot of what we were banking our hope on. But is it as reliable as the word of God. As Peter writes in verse 24 here, all flesh is like grass and all its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the good news that was preached to you. So what we're told is, as Peter quotes Isaiah 40, that there is something about the word of God that is far more reliable, far more incorruptible, far more indestructible, that can birth in us new life. And James says, you know, God called us forth by his will with this word of truth. So is this what you're building your life on? Is this actually what you are banking on getting through this day, this week, this month, the next phase of your life? Is it built on the finished work of Jesus and the word of God? And we all need something better than what this world has to offer and there is something better. A couple of years ago, as I was dating my wife, Um, she was moving into a basement suite, and uh, there was a a moment where, you know, she had found a couch that she wanted to put in the sort of the living area of this suite, and so I call a buddy of mine up, and we're going to bring this couch that she got for free uh, to this place. Uh, One of the weird things about this couch, though, is it had sort of this hide-a-bed feature in it, so there's a lot of metal and and added weight because of that, and so uh, as we're kind of you know, pushing it through the doorway, uh, we realized how hard this is going to be because in her basement suite, the staircase had a strange bend where you'd go down and then you'd have to make a hard turn to proceed down to the actual space below. And so for us, as we're carrying this this big weight and as we're kind of maneuvering it around the, the tight space of that stairwell, uh, I am realizing pretty quickly as I'm at the bottom of this, carrying most of the weight, that I do not have what it takes to complete this job. Like my, my muscles are straining under the weight of it, especially with the angle at which I was holding it and the footing that I had. And eventually what happened was the inevitable, I lost my footing and proceeded to fall down the stairs. But was also falling down the stairs at the same time as my body was falling down the stairs was this massive couch with its hide-a-bed and metal and all of that coming down with me. And as I hit the floor, I realized the couch didn't hit me. And I was like, "What? What happened? Did like the hand of God reach out and just stop it, stall it mid, you know, fall? What, what happened? And I looked up, and the whole thing was resting on this metal fixture that was sticking out of the wall along the stairwell. Something this whole time that I could have used to just maybe pause, take a break in, rest in, put the couch on so that I didn't have to, you know, buckle under the weight of it. There was something better that was available to me and obviously saved me from like some serious injury. Uh, We laughed about it later, but man, that was a frightening moment. But something better was there that could actually hold the weight of that couch. And I don't know about you, but if there is something that right now we really need to, to get into our lives, It is the better way of Jesus. It is the truth of the word of God that actually can hold all of the weight of your hopes, your dreams, and the needs that you have, the biggest of which is relationship with your creator. What are you building your life on? And as we build our life on Jesus, as we're we're brought to new life by this word of truth, something changes in us. It's not just some teaching or philosophy. Something actually happens. A power emerges in our lives by which we now have new priorities, new abilities, and new motivations. And one of those is to love others. We read this. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. A second question I would ask for us and ask myself is, do I view others the way God views me? See, Peter's pointed us to the fact that something has changed because of this word of truth that has given us new life. And in in a place like 1 John, we, we see it differently. We see, you know, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. See, something changes with how we view our relationships. There's a new power we draw on and a new priority to pursue the good of others. And when we are actually you know, made new and we actually do come to Jesus, we realize the worth that has been placed on our life by our creator. See, all of us know when we come to Jesus, we're, we're, we are coming to a God who has made his love manifest to us. Romans puts it this way, that, that while we were still sinners, while we were God's enemies, Jesus died for us. Every person That you know, yourself included, every person has unsurpassable worth to God. Do your words reflect that? Does the way you think about others match that? Do you view others the way God views you? As somebody worth dying for? As somebody who is made by Jesus and for Jesus? with unsurpassable worth. How do you view others? And how does that affect how you talk about them? How you think about them? How do you relate to them? And in Hebrews chapter 12, you know, we're told that as we live out our days on this earth, we're going to need to do that with endurance. And how we're going to do that is by laying aside every weight and the sin that entangles us. And I think one of the biggest ways that you and I probably sin in our lives is with our words which leads me to a third question what do i sound like see where i live in abbotsford i live pretty close to some train tracks and so with me and my kids in our home anytime a train is coming by we all know it it's it's you know it's blowing its horn and there's nothing else that sounds like that in our neighborhood Nothing else where that sound is coming from a particular direction with a particular volume and a particular tone. So any time a train does go by and blows its horn, my kids know, hey, there's a train coming, and they get all excited. They usually rush to the windows. They're checking it out. You know, how, how big is it? What color is it? What cargo does it have? All of this because they can easily identify the locomotive by its sound. And I wonder, could we be easily identified as Jesus followers, by how we sound. Like if we were to have a transcript of of every word you spoke yesterday, and all we had was just the data of it, we just read through it, we read through the sentences, we read through the paragraphs, we read through the word choices, we read through the, the subject matter. If all we had was a transcript of what you spoke yesterday, could we identify you as someone who has been born again to a living hope, as somebody who treasures Jesus, as somebody who has placed unsurpassable worth and value on every person they came in contact with? Could we do that? What do we sound like? And it's no wonder that Peter gives us a a list of things to consider in light of the new life we have to, to change how we relate to one another, to love one another with our words, to take away, to take out what is harmful to every person because they matter to God. Look at what he says in 2 verse 1. Put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. The Greek word for put away there is apotithemi, which means to, to get rid of, to lay it aside, to take off. Kind of like you take off a jacket when you get home at the end of the day. The Christian puts away, takes out from their lives what is harmful to others. So when it comes to malice, we're not going to have any wickedness or, or generally bad, negative intent Towards people. We're we're not going to stand for that. As soon as we feel that rising up in us, it's going to have no place. Deceit. We're not going to seek to selfishly gain from others by fooling them. Saying what is false. Lying, tricking, deceiving. We're going to put a stop to that. And only think on and act on what is true. Hypocrisy. And this is one of the things that those who aren't Christians, you know, maybe despise or are frustrated most by in Christians is when we say one thing and do another. Or do one thing and say another. So for us, we are not going to harm others by by putting a show on or pretending or or play acting and not living a life that is consistent. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to get rid of that. We're going to take that off, put that aside that is not what we do in light of the fact that we've been born again and every person matters and has unsurpassable worth to our god envy you know, we're not going to be jealous and resent others for the good things that they have that we do not have and this is a hard thing to do especially in an age of social media where we are watching everybody's highlight reel from their life play out in real time so you're watching them go on a vacation that you are not on you're watching them have a relationship that you do not have. You're watching them you know, own possessions and, and, and a car and, and the way their home looks and, and doing things and having things that you yourself do not have and, 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 and do not, are not available to, to your life right now. And you start to resent and feel jealous. And maybe you start to let sarcasm creep in when you're with them. Holding things against them simply because you do not hold them yourself. We're not going to do that. We're going to lay that aside. And we could unpack all of these things from this list uh, in depth, drilling down deep in them. But the one that rose to the top for me this week was this word slander. Where we're speaking negatively of others. You might think of it in terms of gossip. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, Every absent man should have an advocate in a Christian. And so for us, are people safe when they're not around but we are around? You know, I used to work, work at a place where my boss would always speak really unfiltered uh, thoughts about every person when I was with them. And, you know, it was often negative. It was also often cutting, criticizing, uh, demeaning and mean at times. And I thought, wow, this is strange. This feels awkward because that person actually was just in the room with us. And now you've said something about them that, that seems so opposite from what you sounded like while they were in the room. See, I think for us, as we are in places where other people are not, Are we defenders of those who are absent? Not just going, okay, well, I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to join in. But actually standing up and going, hey, I see what you're saying there. Uh, So-and-so is not here right now. Could you maybe wait until they are here before you say that? Because I don't want to feed this right now. Especially when it's around rumors. Do we let rumors grow? Or do we starve them? We don't want to feed them as Christians. We want to take away their power. And not slander, taking aside all of this, putting it away because of what we see in others, the value that God has placed on their lives. And just like in the Psalms, you know, obviously we are going to be frustrated at times. Obviously there is going to be stuff that, you know, we just want to vent to others. What if we gossiped to God first? And maybe gossip to God only. Lord, I'm frustrated because this person did this to me. Lord, I'm angry because this person is just always acting in this way. And I can't stand it. Maybe coming to him in prayer inventing venting to him and him alone. And seeing what the Holy Spirit would do in you and then through you as a result. And look, I get all this malice, envy, hypocrisy, deceit, slander. All of this is very difficult. Because honestly, there are times where we feel justified to act this way. Or where maybe we actually are justified to feel that way. Like, there's going to be stuff that where we're given ammunition that we are going to have to decide whether or not we're going to use it. When I was in middle school, I was with my family. and We went to a, a pizza hut once, which, I mean, obviously, who doesn't want to go for pizza? And, you know, we're going there and my mom uh, goes in to make an order, but my brother and I kinda got stuck in the, the foyer area of this pizza hut because you know there's the gumball machine, there's all these things that you can kinda do that are more geared towards kids and, and my age at the time. What was also present in that little space was a matchbook and so I was like, oh, that's why are those here? And so I went over and I, I picked it up and I thought, oh, hey, there's, there's a couple matches in here. I wonder if these work. And so without really thinking about it, in the lobby of this Pizza Hut, I pulled out a match, struck it on the box and, you know, it kind of flared up for a second, but went out immediately. Maybe I didn't, you know, really light it very well or whatever. I didn't think much of it. However, everyone who was not in the room that didn't know what I was doing, all they saw was a flare of like spark and fire and people are freaking out. My mom's like, what's going on in there? What are you doing? And, you know, the employees are like, what was that? And, you know, my my brother's super embarrassed because he's there with me. And it's just this weird moment. And it was like, look, just because those matches were there did not mean you had to strike them. And just because people give us fuel does not mean we need to start a fire. Are there reasons that you feel angry? Are there reasons you feel like you want to put on a show for others? Are there reasons you feel jealous or hurt? And maybe it's been there for a long time. Something you're resenting somebody about. Bring that to God. Remind yourself again of what he's done for you and how he sees people. Like, wouldn't it be amazing? Like, we've been given an indestructible life because of an indestructible truth and an indestructible God. Couldn't it be an amazing thing if every person that we have relationship with also felt, in terms of their identity, that they're indestructible? That we're not going to tear them down. We're not going to empty them. We're not going to be mean to them. We're not going to try to tear down their reputation or, 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 you know, pull them apart with our words or thoughts or our actions. But we are going to take out what is harmful to others. And I believe that as we do this, we are actually putting ourselves in a position to take in what is helpful from God. Which leads me to a fourth question. Do I honestly, intensely crave the Bible? Like we see Peter write further in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, crave it, like earnestly desire it that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Do I honestly, intensely crave the Bible? One scholar puts it this way, becoming a Christian is about the new life within us, first coming to birth, then being nourished and sustained, then growing to maturity. See, what Peter is assuming Is that scripture is the very voice of God? That God actually communicates with us. That this is the word of the Lord. To put it simply, God speaks to us through the Bible. Why would we not want to hear Him? Why would we not? crave it. And, and, you know, I I can't imagine a version of my life where, you know, if I had put aside, maybe at the beginning of my day and the end of my day, time with Jesus where I'm in the word and I'm in prayer, I can't imagine a version of my day that would be worse off for having done so. So why do do I feel like I don't crave that at times? I, I don't know. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're honestly answering, no. Well, be honest about it. Talk to somebody about it. Pray about it. Pray with others about it. You know, allow your church to invite you into discovering and processing authentically to get you to a place to understand here's our God and here's what his word does in our lives. But for me, if I'm being honest, one of the main things that has helped me crave the word of God more in my life is the fact that as I come to it, I continually taste and see that God is good. Returning again and again to the fact that, wow, my God is kind. Wow, my God is true. This is what he has done for me. This is who I am. And this is how he sees others and how I ought to live in light of that. As we come to the word, we grow. And as we grow, we experience the goodness of our God and seek the good for others. Let's be people who take out what is harmful to others And take in what is helpful, what is spoken from God. Let me pray for us to this end. And I I know this is going to be seen at different times and different places. But the God who is here as I'm praying is with you as you are hearing this prayer. And can move and work in your life today. So Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it does to us. And what it can do through us for my relationships and for the relationships of all those listening, would you move us further and deeper into loving you and to loving others? That that would be a compelling and powerful witness to how good you are and how true your word is. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.